your film needs to be the length it needs to be. Mm. So whether that be 25, 30, 15, 10, 8, whatever it needs to be. And that is all down to, again, come to the screenplay. Mm. Like, are there parts of the film where it's repeating itself and it's not adding to the story? So it doesn't need to be in there. You know, a good length is one which tells the story with enough depth and enough uh, rigor as possible. Welcome back to another episode of the Rough Cut Club. I am your host, Joey Nicotra, here in the studio today with my business partner, the one they call Mr. Shane Reitzammer. Shane, how are you doing today, dog? <laughs> good, man. Good, good, good. I like the intro. I didn't know where you're going with it at first. You like know, cut your eyes I over it. I got a little nervous, but you know, we're back on track. I'm happy. We're here. Love it, man. Well, happy to have you in the studio today, along with a very special guest. Uh, today's guest is a author, consultant, film festival strategist. Ooh. They call her the film festival doctor. It's got a oh. ring to it. I like that. I like that branding. Mm. Specializing in creating holistic film festival strategies to get your film seen by audiences around the globe. Welcoming to the show our latest Rough Cut Club VIP member and one of Dallas's own... Miss Rebecca Smith. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was such the best. That was the best intro ever. I ever love had. it. I love it. Well, Dallas's we, own. Dallas's <laughs> own. Well, obviously, an international yeah. uh, figure in the studio today, traveling all the way in to the lovely city of Dallas, Texas, where we call home. And so, uh, I gotta, I gotta dive into that eventually and hear how you even got here initially, but. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio today as, you know, creatives ourselves who have been in the film festival circuit. I'm excited to jump in because what you do is applicable to basically any filmmaker ever who wants to get their film seen, to get it in front of audiences. And at the end of the day, when we make films, we want them to be seen and experienced and you help people do that. And I love that. And so I'm excited to dive into what you do and a little bit about how you do it. Yep. But before we get there, if you could just kick us off with a little bit of an intro on who you are, maybe how you got to Dallas yeah. and kind of what you do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I am a film festival um, consultant and I help people get their films into festivals around the world. People tend to come to me with the problem that being I've made a film. What do I do with it? How do I get it seen? Which festival should I submit to? How do I strategize? Mm. And I solve those problems by doing that for them. And I got into this all by accident. <laughs> As it's probably the best way, isn't it, to get things without planning. Um, so I was studying, doing my PhD in Wales, UK. And I didn't think it was going to be like my life like purpose. I just I was doing this I needed to, but I didn't feel like I was supposed to be doing this forever. Then I got asked to co-produce a film festival during the time I was there because they said, oh, we need some help. And I said, why not? It's something to do because it's getting out of the house because it's a very solitary thing doing a PhD. Mm. And then that hobby I realized was my life's purpose and what mm. I should be doing is working in the world of film festivals. Then I asked the filmmakers at the festival what they liked and disliked about film festivals. And they all said, well, we love film festivals, but we don't know how to get our films into festivals. There's nobody to really turn to. This is back in like 2009. And I was like, oh, well, let's, let's look on Google and see if there's anybody this, what, what this kind of job is that need, people need. And then Google was giving us not really much results. And obviously, you didn't use social media in the same way as you do now. So I thought, right, I'm going to set this up. I'm going to become a mm. film festival strategist. I'm going to call it the film festival doctor because I am going to be a doctor. And I work in the film festival world and I'm a female. So let's put that out there. Let's go. Let's go. I love that. <laughs> yes. I love that. Incredible. So you were in Wales. Yeah. And then what brought you to Dallas? So Dallas, I knew Dallas really well because um, I was traveling to the U to the US quite a lot from the UK to LA, New York. And also I was doing a lot of stuff in Dallas with Dallas Film Festival and I had mm. clients there. So I was there quite a bit and also in other parts of Texas. And I was going to move to LA. So when I got my business up and running, I wasn't able to grow it in Wales. Wales is a very small part of, of the UK. It's a different country, but there's no film industry there. Mm. So then I moved to London. Obviously London is where the hub of the UK film scene is. And then it was getting very established. I wanted to grow it further by going to the US. And I was there a lot in the US at festivals and getting it, it known and having a lot of clients in US and UK. 
And then I wanted to move to there and I thought I'd better move to LA, but it didn't work out because I had an immigration issue and I had a very bad time at Alex Airport. It was really bad. Mm. I couldn't live in LA after that. And mm. then I thought, well, I feel kind of safer to a degree in Dallas, even though it's a different kind of state. But <laughs> I knew it and I thought, well, if I'm going to, I'm going to, I can do my move now because I got the immigration issue cleared. And then I, had, I was able to move to the US. So I thought, well, I, I know Dallas, so I feel like I can just start up in here and see how I get on. And I haven't wanted to leave Dallas since then. So I'm now wow. here. All right. Yeah. So you're saying you like Dallas. Yeah. It sounds like you, you, you settle <laughs> here and you go, okay, I like it. Yeah, it's yeah. very different to LA, mm-hmm. very different to New York, obviously. Um, and the film scene's really growing now because yes. uh, it's had a lot of changes. So it's all for the best. Mm. Dallas is the greatest country on yeah. earth. <laughs> so we like to say. <laughs> uh, well, that's amazing. Well, we're happy that you've made it all the way here. Um, now that you're here, your business is up and running and growing. Walk me through what a typical day in the life looks like for you. So when I get up, there is a ton of emails to read through because obviously I'm working with different um, countries because I have my team in the UK mm-hmm. as me here. And then obviously they you know, work in the mornings, which is when I'm asleep. So there's a lot to get through. And then the mornings will be, they're quite fun emails and they're quite exciting messages. So it will be festival invites coming in for clients, news of awards won, news of nominations, new client leads. Um, news about something happening in the film festival world that we've we've not known about yet, that's some new information, new patterns, new trends, Uh, variety newsletter, um, screen daily comes in. So there's a lot of stuff to process for the whole Mm. day. And then that keeps going up until, say, about 5 p.m. CST. (laughs) So really a a big piece of it is just being up on the current state-of-the-market news and so that you have, like, that, you know, current insight knowledge as to what's working what's not what's happening the activity the demand and it's really like you are just dedicated to studying the current most up-to-date news and what's working best right yeah so obviously the headlines like you know the box office numbers is all good but my focus goes straight to film festivals Mm. looking at the patterns and looking at for example like like a new festival director might have come on board to another festival could be this that and the other changing and this downsizing or this new kind of uh, strand in a festival or somebody having a showcase of their work at a festival you think oh how do they get there so Mm. I like to look at back at the patterns because I I know it because festivals are very fluid and you know things change on a daily basis um and obviously when festivals grow we then look at you know what films of ours are getting into that festival and which ones aren't and what their new trends are so there's Mm. quite a lot to keep on top of it is a full-time thing Mm. and my staff do a good job because I look at it quite I'm the one that's quite on it but they too are noticing the trends and they always get back to me on things and it's really really good in the mornings having that brainstorm oh wow there's so (laughs) many festivals too like yeah you know we we've recently you know done some short films and put them in film festivals and uh you know a a documentary or or mini doc and and we're just like when you go to the it is overwhelming you know so i was excited when we got you on the show because i think hearing some of that inside knowledge and just you know some of those tips because i think for filmmakers you you want your film like like your clients have said you want your film seen but sometimes we don't know as artists you know or even as business people we go well okay we made it how do we how do we get it seen now right and what yeah. the, what is the value in which festivals should we be focusing on of the thousands of festivals that are out there um and so you know can you can you tell me a little bit about like what is the value that you see the most for filmmakers to enter into festivals? What is the value that they get um, by entering into festivals and the right festivals, right? Because I'm sure there's 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 probably good festivals to get into and there's yeah. ones that you're like, eh, maybe I'd skip, right? Yeah. So, so what would you say the overall value for filmmakers are? Just a couple of things to that value. So first of all, it's definitely the exposure, mm. getting it seen theatrically, getting it seen on, on a theater screen, mm. getting it seen by an audience, um, getting it seen in a way that can be appreciated for its whole value, you know, cinematically. Networking, because obviously from that comes other filmmakers to connect with who could be local or could be other parts of the US or anywhere else in the world. So you can have an international or national um, directory of contacts. Um, also what's good is prizes. You know, some, mm. of those, some of those prizes are very valuable because if it's, say, for example, a Oscar qualifying film festival, they do have awards which can help you submit to the Oscars. Mm. And also as well, finally, I would say is having um, 
having feedback on your film from a mm. different point of view. So having it from an audience, but also having it from filmmakers who are like-minded people. So getting different opinions can actually help grow your confidence. Mm. I think that's, that's one of my favorite things that I've heard because, you know, a lot of times it's easy to look at the laurels that happen on a film and go, okay, I've got my laurels and whatnot, but so often the feedback is what's going to help you grow on the craft side of things so much to make a better final product. And you're you're getting, you know, most people that attend film festivals are maybe not experts, quote unquote, but they're probably more interested and can give more refined critique on a film than maybe you're getting from some different peer feedback because this is kind of unbiased to you, uh, just purely auditing the film. And then now you're able to get, you know, some raw feedback from maybe people that are outside your sphere of influence. And I love that component of what you just said. Yes. And also when we come on board and um, uh, start working on a film, we're obviously looking at it from the point of view of film festival programmers. And they watch films very differently to how, say, you know, the UPS driver and Milkman Mum and Dad would watch it. And also we don't have an emotional attachment. And what's an important thing to do for a filmmaker is when they have finished the film, the edit and all that kind of stuff, the whole thing's finished, is detaching emotionally because it's now become a product. And that product will be viewed very differently by sales agents, distribution companies, film festivals, audiences. You know, so it's very, very different. And it's important to be, you know, able to take that kind of sort of critique because it's there to help you. Um, and maybe if some parts are lacking in others and it could be a good way to then look at other ways you could develop your next film. You know, it's there mm. for feedback. It's yeah. crucial. There's no failure, only feedback. And festivals give you the opportunity. It can be quite, you know, maybe it's a bit brutal sometimes, but that's part of the process. <laughs> so <laughs> true. I, I remember my very first festival I went to, I was, you know, with a producer and, and I was, I think I was the editor and I made the DP on it and I had cut the trailer teaser and it was a teaser, you know, kind of competition thing. And I think we ended up getting like second or something in it. And so that was great. I was like, oh, you know, again, the laurels, you're like, yes, I'm validation. But one of the judges, they were giving us feedback and he was like, yeah, storyteller is good. Da, da, da. But the music was a bit much, a little overdone here. Da, da, da. And I was just like, ow, like wh- what? Like, you know, <laughs> and that, but that actually drove me to change and analyze and go, let me watch this again. What is he talking about? Why, why is he saying the music was too much? You know, and, and, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a relative thing to some extent of, of likes and dislikes, but it made me hone my craft more from mm. the feedback, yeah. right? The Laurel was like, cool. We did something good. We almost got first. We weren't the best, but we, we were close, but it was that, that painful thing of like, yeah, music was, uh, you know, your volume level and the choice and yeah. it was overdone a little bit. And you go, well, yeah. do I value your opinion? And then you go and you watch the, f- you watch it like 10 times on the way home and you're like, what did I do wrong? How can I get better? And yeah. so I, man, I love, I love that one too. Like you said, it's probably the most valuable thing that I've gotten from film festivals. I love the networking piece that you mentioned too. Yeah. I think that's so valuable. The international side as well. Like, yeah. I think, you know, I met uh, some people from like Germany at a film festival recently. Uh, I've met people locally that's just up in Oklahoma, and they're like, "Hey, we should, you know, how do we how do we do what you're doing, or how can we get together and do something together?" Yeah. And uh, man, those are you know all four of those are great, but I'll have to say the feedback painful, but the best part of see exactly. The and yeah. can you say about sound because I do find that a lot of the time problems that especially short films have is a bad sound mix mm. and it needs to be, you know, the Foley needs to be changed or it needs to be tweaked or done again or a bit rough or whatever. It's a thing that is quite common because it's something that's hard to do and sometimes you need the extra feedback to like, you know, the levels are wrong. You know, they go, what's your headphones? I'm like, no, the levels are wrong because mm. <laughs> it's wonky. Um, it just needs to be, you know, done properly. Otherwise, it can be, sometimes you can get like tinny sound as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because it's just it's a very precise thing with sound. So it's a good thing you mentioned that because it is a very common thing. But it can be like at the time people say that you're like, well, I don't think so. And you're like, actually, it is an issue here. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't recognize it at first. Right. You get so close to your art. Sometimes yeah. you go, this yeah. is amazing. And the director says it's amazing. The producer says it's amazing. And these judges say it's amazing. Yeah. But one person calls something out, and so you have to analyze it, and it makes you get better, you know. And and yeah, you have to weigh the validation of 
of their expertise and what it, what it is. But I think that's what sharpens you as an artist. Yeah. You know, it's the pain. You yeah. know, growth is pain. <laughs> so, so part of your process actually starts in the consultation phase. Yeah. And so, you know, walk me through what that looks like. Like if I'm bringing you a film and I'm like, this is my baby. I want to see it do well. You know, walk me through what a process, uh, a consultation looks like with the film festival doctor. Yeah. So we can uh, begin consulting with you when the film is, you know, picture lock or uh, almost completed or um, fully finished or whatever it's going to be. So any stage. Uh, also, rough cut two can be at some point, but as long as we have, you know, we can look at the film and give you an assessment on it and the story is fine. Um, so how it starts is we then review the film, me and my colleague, and then we give feedback uh, from that festival programmer's perspective and we break down the feedback from, um, from the point of view of narrative, the, and the, on the concept, characters, acting, production quality, and the structure. Mm. And then all of that um, feedback then creates the best approach to take and what types of festivals to submit to and what level and tier. So, for example, say it's a female-directed LGBTQ horror short film. Um, the question we have to ask is, can this break out of that niche, those niches, women's festivals and LGBT and horror? Can it go to more general festivals that aren't specific to those niches? Does the story stand out? Does the acting stand out? Is it the right length? Um, does it do something that's different? Is it talking about showing change? All those kind of things to think about when we're watching it. If it can, then we can then present a, a different you know, approaches to, to bring in and different layers to the strategy. Um, but we're very blunt <laughs> in the feedback. <laughs> I just want to say blunt, but we're constructive and blunt because you have to be because it's like, you know, there's some parts where... In some films, you just need to say, look, the acting is not good here. You need to cut around it or you don't need that character. You know, what are they adding to the story with a short film? Things have to happen quickly to get to the narrative mm. quickly. It's the point, get to the action quickly. And with a feature, you've got to do a similar thing. You know, so it's very like precise feedback. And some people don't always like that. <laughs> but some people are very open and go, okay, well, we're too close to it. So, you know, mm. this gives us really good insight. I had a filmmaker um, reach out to me a few months ago. And he said, I want to submit to Sundance or the biggies. I said, look, it's not for Sundance and the big festivals, smaller ones and women's festivals, but it's, it's just not there and it's far too long. And then he said, okay, I'm going to pass. I was like, all right. And then today he came back and he said, I apologize for the brutal uh, email I sent. Uh, but since we read your feedback again, we've now re-edited it to 90 minutes from 25. And we feel it's much better and different scenes. So could you review and if you want to work with us. And I said, okay, I'll definitely give it a go. And I'm glad that you've done that because that's what I want to hear is that you took on the feedback. Mm. I've now made a film that even you say is now better. So mm, now wow. you can see you know, when the emotions have put us up. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Gosh, I want her to like, I'm like, we got I know. You need to watch some of our films. I know. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> this is great. Send it to her, but yeah. <laughs> so how many, how many films, if you could just guesstimate, have you seen like short films and feature films? Because I imagine you've <laughs> had to watch hundreds and hundreds if not thousands yeah i mean i'll get probably each day a short film comes in per day to review <sighs> wow. and then maybe one feature during that week features aren't as common as shorts because obviously shorts are different kind of product and can yeah. be made slightly more maybe more quickly and it's a different kind of budget thing so it varies there's always a short film around mm -hmm. <laughs> right mm -hmm. even during the pandemic people said oh my god have you had no films come in i said i've had more because you know people can finish off what they started right. or they make them during the pandemic and whatever yeah um so we get quite a few and sometimes they can be very similar like you know the kitchen kitchen, kitchen sink drama or it can be you know like a sci-fi that can be either well executed or not well executed um, they all vary, but they're all interesting because it helps me learn and just like to see what people want to do and what their intentions are. A lot of films can have the heart in the right place, you know, and mean well, or some of them admit we're new, we need help, and some of them, you know, not quite sure what festivals are and what to do. But it's important as well when I say to the prospective client, I said, okay, so you want to get into festivals, what else do you want to achieve? What are your goals? Because the goals will structure things. Mm. And we can work together. So, for example, some are very specific and say, look, this is just for the top tier. I want to get into Oscar, BAFTA, BIFA qualified festivals. I don't want to get into any others because we want to get on the high level. 
But if the film can't do that for them, then, you know, do they want to pursue it? Because if it's not going to get in, then it has to do different festivals. Do they want to do that? So it's important to really know what you want at the same time when you send me the film. Mm, <laughs> so good. So in, in order to make this real, too, for our listeners, um, I want to give them some tangible advice almost from your perspective on when someone's setting out to make a short film, we'll just call them short films right now and keep features aside, what is some tangible takeaways that you would advise them to do to basically set their short film up for success in the film festival circuit space? Yeah. So first and foremost, the story needs to be interesting and different and Mm. telling us something from a different point of view or telling us something we've not seen before and giving like a fresh take on it. So if it's going to be full of cliches, it's going to be limited what it can do. Mm. If it's predictable, same old, same old, or if the festival promo can guess the ending, it's not going to go very far. Um, So it needs to be something fresh and something different and well-written. So it all starts with the script. So I would always advise people to definitely, at the screenplay stage, to make sure they've had plenty of coverage, plenty of feedback on it, and then come to me from the point of view of festivals and how far it could go and what the potential is on paper. And then obviously getting together a very good cast and crew is crucial. I've had films have very good scripts, but then they miscast people and it doesn't quite work out. Or it's people that haven't got good sound. (laughs) The sound again comes in and Mm -hmm. then obviously the good DP, you know, these kind of things. Uh, also a good editor as well, because sometimes we've we've had white for some reason we had a film come in, then we read it at script stage and it was fifteen pages, but this film was thirty minutes. Mm. So we had, mm. you know, things like that happen, which is quite odd. Um that we just needed to re-edit. Um so it's really important that you kill your darlings, you get the screenplay at the right place where it needs to be, you hire the right cast and crew, and you also hire a really good festival strategist at the end. Right. <laughs> That's one thing <laughs> I'm going to say. Um, but it all starts with the screenplay. And also what I would suggest as well at that in that process when you're in the process of getting feedback and all that kind of thing is to watch other short films that go to festivals. Mm. Look at films that win festivals. Mm. What are they? What are their stories? What are the common themes that you're seeing? Um, for example... There's a short film that I represent, which is about change in um, black black people's uh, rights in South Africa. And that's really interesting because it's not really been done before. And also they've done it in a way where it's accessible to people outside of South Africa. Mm. So, you know, think about who the audience is, who you're trying to target. What is the whole point of it? You've made this, you're going to make this film for a reason. So what is the point behind it? If it's just for the showreel, that's different. A real good short film is one that makes an impact on what you remember and lasts with you. If it's not going to make that impact, then it's not going to be a memorable short film and won't get very far for people. Mic drops. That's a huge (laughs) value add statement right there. I love that. I'm like, I'm like, I want to go back and look at some of my scripts and like right. write some write some new scripts. You're inspiring <laughs> us right now. This is great. So I'm curious as somebody who, you know, is constantly analyzing and critiquing films, have you made any films yourself or ever tried to, you know, do the screenplay process and do the whole shebang and then submit your own work to a festival yourself? So I have produced a short film that was a genre film and you know, I didn't like the producing side of things. Like I preferred to produce a film festival. Um, but I'm proud of it. Like, it came out well. But I was like, no, I'm more about the festivals. I like getting the film seen and mm. out there and distributed than actually making it. And we had a bit of an issue with that film because it was my first film I produced and then the other producer with me stole half the money. So I was like, this isn't much fun. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to not skip on this next one. Mm. But, you know, it was quite a learning curve. But I learned a lot from it. And it was good. Um, and I have, um, I do have a few treatments that I wrote for some, uh, for some short features. Sorry, some uh, short narrative um, mm. films. So I've got those in the pipeline, but it's the time because my job is very time consuming. Mm. And I have a producer that works with me um, and she's really good and she you know, certainly gets them out there. But my focus is always about getting the films on the circuit and an award season. So. Mm. This is a little bit off off topic, but I'm. it's just such a fascinating subject that I feel like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, like you don't have as much competition in your field as maybe some other things. I mean, correct. I mean, I'm, I'm totally ignorant, but I feel like there's not that many people that 
you have competition with. Is that would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, there's only a few of us that do this. Yeah, it's definitely not like you know we're not as common as sales agents and producers. There's not many of us that do it because it is a full time thing. It's very specific and it's a very much a very specialized niche. Right, um, and it's a very different way of uh, distributing a film because it's obviously festivals a different way to like mainstream distribution. Right. So yeah, so I'm the only one that does this in Dallas. So yeah, there you go. I love that. <laughs> and so I, I kind of want to even just hear, you know, you told me like you kind of got the opportunity to produce a festival and got thrown into that world. But this is such a fascinating like passion to really pursue. And I'm curious, like in your own words, where do you feel like the passion to see other people's films win really comes from and like continues to drive you? Yeah, I think it's because at the festival, when I first started producing it, it's a very, you know, like communal kind of environment. Everyone's in the same boat. Everyone, you know, appreciates each other's work. They give people good feedback. You know, they help and support and nurture. It's a nice community and environment. Then seeing the people that you get to know at a festival win an award, mm. it's amazing. And like when I'm working with a client, you know, and get to know them and what their goals are and how they are, and then seeing them win is fantastic. And I love it. I'm excited every every weekend when it's a festival. We're like, oh, we win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we do, we're like, oh my god, it got noticed. And you know, it got appreciated um, for the story that it tells and the people that it tells the story about, whatever reasons. Um, so I think it comes from probably the beginning of my career working at festivals, just seeing people like you know, really nice people with their film and wanting to get it seen and succeed and then just seeing that for my clients do the same. So mm. that's really lovely. Um, I mean, there's a couple of clients who uh, who I work with who are like, you know, like really sweet and new and then seeing them at their first festival is really nice because they're like, oh, we had such a good time, you know, like we did the Q&A and I've done that before. <laughs> they were like, wow, well, we had to talk about the film. It was really intimidating at one point, but they're like, oh, actually, no, it's finding it a lot of fun. Actually, there was um, at the Fort Worth Film Festival, the Lone Star Film Festival, there was a guy who I met there and he, he is a student. He had a student film there. It was a couple of years ago. And he came, he became like the star of the festival because he came out of his shell. He was quite nervous at first mm. and he was like the funniest person. So we just say it's a festival vibe, you know, because you're starting to like relax and chill and then get in the mode of everything. And then, you know, it's hilarious. Uh, and he had never been as far as Dallas and Fort Worth. And now he's like, I'm going to go to L.A. I'm like, oh, yes, it's a, you know, it's a vortex in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new world altogether over there. Yeah. You know, so it's really sweet that festivals gave him confidence, you know, and presenting his film. So it was wonderful. Oh, that's great. That's so cool. Yeah, Shane, Shane always says, and you could probably clean it up better than me, but like your success fuels your passion to create. Yeah, yeah. I think it's my tagline, yeah. I think that that's kind of, you know, like seeing other people win fuels you and drives you to continue helping other people. And I think that's super cool and admirable. Yeah. So when somebody brings a film to you that isn't perfect for a film festival and whether that it's too, too genre or not genre specific enough, or there's problems with it, how do you handle those sort of scenarios? Because you're dealing with, you know, people's, You're dealing with delicate artists, right? We're all vulnerable and delicate and want to be very protective of our stuff that we're showing you. You know, how do you deal with some of those clients that are, they bring you a product that's harder to work with in the festival space? So we're honest. And then we give it very kind of good feedback in terms of giving them like the positives because every film will have some kind of challenges, no matter how good it is or whatever problems it's got. There's always going to be something. So we, you know, first of all, begin with the strengths. Then when we go talk about the weaknesses, we do it in a way where it's very well worded. I mean, my other colleague that works with me, Sheila, she's brilliant, but she's brutal. And like, oh, I have to like reword some of the things because it's supposed to be like, you know, it's just such things like it just does not need that. It really doesn't need this. And like, what's that about? I'm just like, all right, let's just make it more caring language. <laughs> then I explain like the problems. And then I talk about, you know, very clearly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then they can say, okay, I can see what you mean now because we didn't notice that, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, there's a film which has a good lead performance, but the supporting cast bring it down because it's not as strong. So we say, you know, the lead is fantastic and I love the diversity of the character, you know, and give all the good points and say, you know, but unfortunately the cast, the supporting cast are not as strong and it does bring it down a bit. It's been mm-hmm. different festivals, but people will still recognize the lead 
and how good he is at other festivals of a smaller tier. So it's not all lost, you know. So mm. we give that, you know, that explanation. Some say be really honest. And then when we do get honest, they can be like, oh, don't minish your words, do you? Like, well, you asked for honesty. Yeah. Um, but then I just like to come in like with a gentle approach. You know, and if they take it fine, then that's good. If they get argumentative, then I'll have to stand my ground a bit. And then, you know, they then kind of see it at a later date when they've had time to detach. So when I send the feedback, I always say, you know, take time to read, process and digest. Mm. And then think of your questions, then come back. Mm. And then they're like, that helped a lot. I had to take a day out from it. It was like I said, it was a bitter pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And then they said, oh, now we see it differently because we've just been so immersed in it. We mm. don't know what we're making. It's so true. And I think the, uh, going back to my example, right? Yeah. And so I appreciate the clarity. It, I, I love communication. And we, we have a production company. We've got over like 30 plus contractors. We've got 11 staffers. And there's a lot of comms going back and forth on the <laughs> daily. And it, you have to be very clear, concise, and direct. Yeah. Right? Or you're going to fall apart at the speed that we're moving at these days. And so going back to my example, it was like, well, the music, you know, it was a bit much. And I'm like, what does that mean? You know, and so like, you you know, how you laid that out about, well, the supporting actor, or the, this actor was good because X, Y, and Z, supporting cast, maybe X, Y, Z. Yeah. That really helps us. It, it does hurt. It's, it's always, but it's good and we want to process that. Yeah. And so one of my things now too is, uh, was taught from a, a friend is like 48 hours to process at least 24 sometimes you only have 24 to you know but marinate on it and then come back with that response so i love that you even give them a window of time like yeah read this digest it because it is hard like joey yeah. said you know i always talk about our artist as a bunch of kittens we like to keep <laughs> in a safe space right you know and let them play and explore and create something beautiful together um if you could only have i'm jumping in here because okay, i feel okay, like okay. If you could, this is, you know, theoretical, but if you could only have either a great story or great cinematography, what would be your suggestion? Like if you had to only pick one of those for a festival entry. I want to throw in a great cast too. Oh, that's good. So yeah. three. It's kind of the triangle. Have you ever heard of like, you know, good, fast, cheap, yeah. right? So we're going to say <laughs> cast, good cast, uh, great cinematography, and or a great story. Pick two. Pick two. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably takes two to actually get right. an award, right? Yeah. Well, first and foremost would be the great story. Mm. That's what can win awards when it might not be the strongest performances or or DP, you know, like film or not the best cinematography. So definitely the story first and foremost, followed by the cast. Because mm. they could then sometimes bring that story to the level um, with the performances if they're very strong. I know that the third one is going to be like cinematography, um, mm. but you know the worst thing you want is is a film that looks stunning, but has not very good story or acting. Mm. So you know mm-hmm. but that means it might win best cinematography awards, but then it wouldn't win anything for story or the film or anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. And like you said earlier, I think it's like it's great for your demo reel, you know. Yeah. But if it but it's it's not going any further than that, other than painting some pretty pictures. So. Yeah. It's about, That's great a, insight. There's a little thing that me and a friend of mine who programs a festival in Germany, uh, we have this little saying that when we went to festivals in London, he used to come to London and look at, you know, some films doing the London festival scene. And then we have this little thing called, we call it a throwaway short film. And then he said, well, if it's a throwaway short film, like, you know, it's absolutely pointless to forget all about it when it's finished, then it's not a good film. If you, a film that we remember and we keep talking about, it's a really good film. Mm. So that was interesting. So mm. even though it might be a film at first, you think, do I like it? But then we keep talking about it. And there's something good about it that's making us talk about this all the time. Mm. If we can't remember what the film was about, and it's like, in the thing was memorable, in any images or the, the acting or anything like that, or the soundtrack then it's not going to have much longevity or have a lasting impact on us. Mm, that's so good, too. And I think that does cross into yeah. cinematography or even sound design. You touched on that. Because yeah. I've walked out of a film festival before and go, man, I don't really know exactly what that story was about, but wow, like that cinematography was next level. Some of those sequencing and the way they made me feel by putting that image, like there's a story that, some artist is trying to tell me with the sequencing in the cinematography, right? And so I love that because I think that can, even sound design, sometimes you walk out and go, you know, oh, that was that was not very pretty, but the sound design or the story. Like yeah. we've seen that so many times. I've been to film festivals and I go, 
oh man, they're showing this on the big screen. You know, and I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm just like, oh man. But I understand everybody starts somewhere, but then I watch it and I go, that story, I go home and talk about that story with my friends, with my wife, with my family. And I go, well, that's memorable, right? So I think that nails it. It's got to be memorable. And I think story is one of the things that can Mm -hmm. be memorable uh, the most. And the execution, Mm. obviously, is a key thing there. And what vessels want to see is an execution that is strong, doesn't hold back, or, you know, likes to, you know, doesn't like, you know, like in terms of like hold back the vision, it actually, you know, goes really like out there, the director, and doesn't want to be, you know, like saying he shouldn't do this or the other, he just does it, or him or her does it, is the key thing there. Execution is a big thing. Love it. Do you feel like there has been a short film. I'll, I'll get into the feature stuff afterwards because I know you're a big Tarantino fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get into Tarantino before the episode's up, but is there a short film that you feel like has really made a big impact on you? Like it was the exact opposite of a throwaway film where it was like, man, this was one of the like one of the better shorts that I've seen. And like what were some things from that that would be good takeaways in terms of why it made an impact on you? Yeah. And there's one that I worked on last year called Rest. And it was shot in New York um, by a very good director and his producing partner and actress. And it focuses on um, this woman who's going to go to Cork. She's had another DUI. And it's the editing that is so fascinating in her performance. The two of them work so well. So it cuts back and forth to certain scenes like flashbacks of when she was trying to recover from alcoholism and then to where she is now. And you really care about the character through the way it's been structured Mm. and also through the edit and how she uh, is to camera. You see her face and it's just a face that you feel so much sympathy for, Mm. but you don't forget her, the image, you don't forget her face or the images. They remember, you remember them much, much long afterwards and it did really good, some really good festivals. And it's because it has that kind of brilliance about it, which is through very creative editing and a performance that is very deeply, deceptively complex Mm. on the surface. And the more you see it, the more you just like can't forget it. And Mm. that was really interesting, that film. And they were not sure about doing festivals or doing anything with it because they were worried about, you know, like what people would would think of it. I was like, it's going to do okay. And it did some good ones and they said the same thing. You know, it's, it's unforgettable. You just don't forget what happens to the lead and the problems that she has through the sympathy you feel with that lead actress, you know, because mm. she's really good. I and mean, mm. she has now that actress does have from that film a uh, agent, an acting agent. Mm. So that helps a lot. Um, another one which also, like, never unforgettable kind of film is also one based on performances called Hard Times. It's a new one from the UK. Just started to work on that one. But that is a film you can watch over and over, never get sick of it. <laughs> But what the reason why you don't get sick of it is because of the acting. Like it's flawless acting. Like mm. There's no way to describe it, but it's flawless acting, and it's very London, very real. Um, and the, also the edit is is like flawless because it flows. The sound design's perfect. Cinematography is great, and the screenplay has nailed it. There was a longer version that worked, but another they had a 90 minute 90 minute version that was just hit the nail on the head. And that was what did it. So, so yeah, it's, I think a lot of it is down to the performances and how well-crafted the editing is to make it, and also with the strong story, to make it really, like, mm. last. The, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is an observation that I have made recently just about filmmaking in general. And, you know, as an artist, as a cinematographer myself, so much of the art that I create is outside of my control. Yeah. And I think that it's a really fascinating, just when I sit back and I think about all of the different cogs in the wheels that make a film come to life, I feel like the industry that we're in, there's so many variables that are outside of our control that makes something come to life. And it's not even necessarily a question, but just something that I've been dwelling on recently. Like we've talked about the story, the cast, the editing, the sound design, the cinematography. You know, we can get into locations and makeup and special effects and all all of the different things that make a movie, you know, one that sticks out. And it's such a fascinating concept. And again, it's not even a question, but more so an observation that I've been making recently is that so much of what makes the films that we work on special is the team of people and really, really assembling every single piece of the puzzle correctly. Because if you 
don't have, if you have everything except the story, it's not going to be good. If you have everything except the cast, it's not going to be good. And it's like you really need the magic of every single piece coming together to make something that's worth watching. And it's just, some, you know, you've, you've kind of reiterated that thought for me this week, um, but it's just something I've been dwelling on, and I love just the reinforcement that you've brought to that. Oh, so. thank you. No, it is. It's a big thing. Um, it all starts on paper. That's mm. <laughs> right. Mm. That's right. Were you going to jump in? Oh, I, I you know, I, I was I was sitting here. In, I'm over here trying to get, like, the, the little tips, the quick tips. I'm like, okay, I'm hearing the time that you're saying about short films, right? Yeah. And so w- is there... Is there anything for our, and I'm sure it's probably different for each fest, because I've seen festivals, you know, here's our limitation, here's that. Have you seen certain run times for short films perform, like stand out and perform better? Is there any patterns that you see that seem to win more awards? Like, you know, in the corporate commercial, it's like shorter is better. Shorter, I mean, we're, we're going from, we do a lot of corporate commercial work, so it's like 30-second broadcast spots. Now we're talking like three-second ads on you know right. TikTok and Instagram, right? But is there any time frame that you've seen really perform well, or does that not really matter? And it, it's based on the story. The golden rule is the um, the length of sorry, your film needs to be the length it needs to be. Mm. So whether that be twenty five, thirty, fifteen, ten, eight, whatever it needs to be, and that is all down to again comes to the screenplay. Mm. Like, are there parts of the film which repeat in itself? And it's not adding to the story, so it doesn't need to be in there. You know, a good length is one which tells the story with enough depth and enough uh, rigor as possible. So you'll find sometimes that a lot of people want to make a short film to be 15 minutes. I call it the magical 15 minutes. I think it was like 2013 this all started to happen. And people would say to me, oh, we're trying to get to 15 minutes. I'm like, why? So, well, that's the best length for festivals. Hmm. Not necessarily. Um, if your film needs to be longer, they're going to pick up on that. You know, they're going to think, well, I need to have really more time there, you know, mm. to spend with this character or this and the other. It goes by way too quickly just to try and put it into 15 minutes. It might need to be 17, 18 or 19, mm. you know, that kind of thing. So length is like in terms of ideal length, it depends on the film. Mm. So people like to say things like make it as short as possible. Um, but then people can make a mistake of like making it a shorter film when it needs to be and then get no festivals. Yeah. So you have to be like, you have to be ruthless, but also like be honest and think, you know, not attach yourself to a number mm. is what I say to clients of mine. I had a client today, for example, she said, it's 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, that might not be an issue. Um, she'd have worked the credits. So I went credits for a short film, one and two minutes maximum. But if it ends up being 21, 22, then wouldn't worry too much about it. You know, if it deserves to be that length, if it justifies the running time, then we'll get a spot at festivals. I mean, any film that's a longer short film is not going to be, it's going to be easy, not hard, not easy to program. Um, you know, it's going to have a few challenges ahead of it. But if it deserves that slot, it will get the right festivals, mm. you know. So it's it's okay not to stress about the length. You know, when you're writing it, just write it. If it needs to be a longer short, then so be it. Mm. If it needs to be shorter, then it'll be shorter. Um, but in terms of, like, also with features, it's a similar thing. Like, you know, normally a good length, I suppose, is like 90 minutes or 80 minutes. But then someone needs to be a bit longer to contain the whole story. Mm. So it just really depends upon what you've got to say and how long that needs to be. One of the things that you you mentioned when I was doing my homework <clears throat> on you <clears throat> is that synopsis and bio are the most important pieces in submitting your film to a festival. Can yeah. you explain what you mean by that and why that is? Yeah. So the synopsis needs to be succinct and to the point. Not like, you know, 10 paragraphs for five pages because people haven't got time to read that. just needs to be very succinct. And in that synopsis, you need to bring out its unique selling points and why it's different. Say, say like another LGBT, LGBT horror. Why is it, what is it doing differently? Who stars in it? If it's any celebrities, is always a good thing. But it's got to like give the emotional core of the film in that synopsis and keep it succinct to the point. Mm. With the director's bio, that's also important, but that also needs to be succinct and to the point. It's to tell like the journey, not like I was born at this hospital and I got you know mm. at six a.m. in the morning or nothing like that. It just needs to get to the point and then tell the story from the beginning. Like you began doing this and then you moved into that and now you're into filmmaking. Mm. Keep it to the point. Drop in a few names of where you've studied or what festival you've been in previously or people you've worked with, clients, whatever. That just shows that you're emerging filmmaker or established or new, whatever it might be. And keep that, you know, two paragraphs or three paragraphs maximum. 
Director's um, statement is also important too, which is explains the why behind the film, mm. why you wanted to make the film, and why it looks the way it does, and the vision behind it. So put the vision in words mm. um, and explain the importance of it and mm. its relevance. That's I think... I think a lot of what you just said, too, just boils down to having crystal clear clarity yeah. in the film that you're making. Yes. And so, so many people have like this loose concept that they fight to bring to life and don't have the clarity in terms of all of the nuance that they want to bring to the film or the messaging or the tropes or whatever. And I love that, you know, part of what just sets a film out, um, you know, on success is to have the proper GPS coordinates in the beginning, right? You can't, knowing exactly where you want to get to is going to help your film be successful. And so I love the clarity piece of that. Yeah. It's woven in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, sometimes the synopsis is, is if you haven't got to tell the whole story and like break it down, it just needs to be succinct and explain the story and then leave with a cliffhanger, but just talk about its unique selling point. You know, why it's doing this differently to mm. other films in that genre. Um, the shorter, the better with synopsis. You know, mm. not, not like a sentence. Just one paragraph that's poignant and powerful is good. I was, about to, I was about to ask, uh, <laughs> but you just answered that, the log line. You know, because in, in, if you're pitching or you're selling a feature, you know, or uh, anything, you need a one sheet, a log line, you know, and maybe a proof of life concept. And so you just answered that though, the synopsis, it doesn't have to be a sentence, but how important this is, this is helpful for us. We, you know, we've done some of the film festival circuit. We're trying to, in we're take, I'm taking away some of the stuff that we're learning today. And I think <laughs> we have to talk later too about uh, future uh, things, but we would create, you know, we do the synopsis log line director bio, and then we were cutting a trailer too for the short. Cause we thought, cause we were doing like film freeway. Right. So we're, yeah. Uh, entering there and we, you know it has a spot for a trailer so yeah we'll use it plus we want to be able to show like we know we can't show our short film publicly yet because it's got to do the festival circuit but our trailer we can you know a little 30 second or one minute we can kind of show some of the work right sneak peek of it uh, and so we would do that selfishly for our socials and for our company website because it would take six months to a year to run through the festival circuit sometimes does the trailer is that something that People, you, you recommend people do is cut a little trailer from it as well. Does that add any value in the entry process? Like what are some of the things or is it really the synopsis bio and, and having a really great um, film? So having a great film is the priority first right. and foremost. Um, but it is now compulsory for a short film to have a trailer. Mm. Back in the day you get away with it, but now not so much because festivals require the trailer for either their social media to put, you know, advertise the film or they use a little bit from your trailer into their main festival trailer to advertise the movie. Um, and also they sometimes put it on their website too, you know, to show winners, you know, the trailer or, you know, the program and, and they put your trailer on there, whatever. But also for yourself, having it on your social media is important as well. The, you know, showing like, you know, launching at this festival next week or whatever, mm -hmm. it's on there. Um, and I think in terms of length with a trailer for a short, you know, one, like 30 seconds, 90 seconds maximum is enough. It's going to be much longer than that. Mm -hmm. For a feature, like some people, some people do like three minutes, but two, two and a half maximum is enough that you can just do a lot in there. Um, and also like really bring out like in terms of a teaser, like teasing the audience literally, like, you know, this is what mm -hmm. it's about, it's what's different, you know, and then it's, it's, it's what we're going to happen kind of thing, you know, like what can you guess, that kind of stuff. Um, but it is, it's important and also needs to be cut professionally. Mm. So one of the things that, um, same with the poster, one of the things that festivals see when they see your project page, when you submit to them on Save by Film Freeway, they'll see the poster and the trailer and then all this other stuff. The more professional, concise and clear, the better then it certainly shows that they're dealing with professionals and a strong poster that's not done on paintbrush or Canva, mm -hmm. a professional poster mm -hmm. and professional trailer will certainly help it go far and they can trust the filmmaker from seeing that. Uh, I speak to quite a few festival programmers about Film Freeway, about what they like and dislike about, you know, the project pages. And a lot of them say, you know, we read, we read the synopsis first and we think, where can we program this film? Like, okay, this could fit in our, in our program about um, environment and wildlife or we could fit in our program about women's cinema or women's issues or something. Um, and then they think about what they can do with it because sometimes they, you know, they watch it and think this could probably fit quite well. And sometimes they might look at it and go, okay, well, nothing much to hook in at this stage, but let's watch the film and see what happens mm. kind of thing. Um, so it's important to have those assets available 
and professionally professionally made to a high standard. Oh, such a good insight yeah. on so many all of that stuff. I want to like just re, I'm going to go rewatch this clip and like <laughs> take notes again. But big thing she said, they read the synopsis yeah. first. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. That's yeah. huge. I I I I'm going to tell on ourselves like I feel like we really you know, limped by on our synopsis cuz we go, "Oh, we got a great trailer." We think our, our short film's great. We put it up there in synopsis. And, and, you know, uh, what does it matter? You know, and so it's like one of those things that, no, start, make sure that that yeah. is cohesive with the rest of it. That's great. Love so it. This, okay. is, this is like a, it's a job, you know, and they're thinking of what they can do with it. How mm-hmm. can they help the film? I was speaking with a programmer yesterday and there's a feature film that I work on, a feature doc, that is very well made and very well produced and all that kind of good stuff. But it's very, very niche, as we say in the UK, not niche, niche. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bring that like here. Uh-huh. And then I was saying to him, like, the filmmakers are really desperate for this festival, but I keep saying to him, it's not going to work. And can you give me some more insight? And he was like, of course I will. He said, it is a really good product. They spent money on it really well, but we just cannot do anything with it. No one's going to come and see <clears throat> this film. There's no audience for mm. it. And I don't want to, you know, them to get accepted and have nobody turn up in a big theater because that's going to make them angry Mm. i was like yeah so you know that to translate not very well but you know it's giving that from the horse's mouth feedback yeah and like in the synopsis we make it clear what it is and either gets people excited or not Mm, so good yeah yep that's that's great so talk to me about where the love for quentin tarantino (laughs) comes in because you are a a very outspoken Mm fan of him and his work yep. uh talk to me a little bit about why that is and kind of what first uh, sparked that so uh, the first film i saw when i was younger that i really loved was pulp fiction mm. um, but i had to like you know i didn't see this in theater because i was too young but i remember seeing it on you know like sky tv with my dad and i loved the music in his films and how it matches the imagery but also mm. the dialogue i loved his dialogue and how normal it was and you could just hang out with his characters and it'd be funny and it'd be well shot well edited i just thought they were like really perfect films and funny you know i could, I could really laugh out loud at them all the time i've seen pulp fiction countless times like i know it word for word every time i did a long haul flight it would be on the flight and i would watch mm. it because i knew it inside out and it'd be like you know fun to watch you know i just hang out with the characters mm. um i like just how he brings his love for cinema to his films mm. and lets the audience share that. And it's just stuff that, again, we talked about you know, memorable images. There's scenes that you never forget, you know, and powerful impact that they make and, like, long-lasting on, on culture. I think his later work isn't as strong, I'll be mm. honest. I wasn't mm. the biggest fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I need to watch it again mm-hmm. or Django, but I like The Hard Eight and everything before that is brilliant, mm-hmm. you know, Obviously, I think that's a point it makes there actually about editors. Because obviously he lost his editor, Sally. Mm-hmm. She died of heat stroke. And then he got, you know, other people on board that might be able to manage him. Because mm-hmm. he's quite strong, as you can tell, in mm-hmm. interviews. And I've read all his books. And he is. And he's actually, he's read my PhD hmm. on him. Wow. Yeah. And that's he wrote awesome. me a thank you note, which is really sweet. Um, but he's like, he's just strong. Mm-hmm. And he loves academia. So it's quite interesting. Um but yeah, so I just find him fascinating individual, but a great filmmaker who is who really loves film and his characters. Mm. One of the things that he said that really uh, was inspiring to me, um, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, when I'm thinking about making a movie, I'm thinking about being in a theater and one person watching it and enjoying it and that person being myself. Yeah. And he literally just makes movies that he wants to watch. Exactly. And I think that was one of the more like powerful mind shifts for me, Yeah. you know, in terms of instead of trying to not, you know, copy this and make my own version of this, it's like making a film that Joey wants to watch is what Joey should be doing. And that's what's going to make me a good filmmaker at the end of the day. And I thought that was one of the more powerful things that I've ever taken away from him. Yeah. Um, yes. And just how he approaches making films. So, yeah. And you feel like you can join in and hang out. Yeah. You mm. know, I mean, suppose he's love and hate, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, but I've always found that I can really relate to his characters. And in my research, my PhD, when I did my um, study on his, I did a fan study on his on his films and how they responded to his films emotionally. 
And the thing that hooked them in is the dialogue the characters say. Hmm. And his fan base are mainly men and women. Surprise, surprise. Um, but the men engage very differently and see him as a father figure than the women do. Hmm. Uh, women is much more they like the female characters better, but they don't have as deep an attachment. And that's attachment forms through dialogue. So interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Roy Alwood Cheese. Oh, yeah. that's such a great. <laughs> oh, I yeah. Tarantino dialogue. He's definitely a true auteur. And, and, you know, when you say that too, you, you, because he makes stuff that reflects the things that he wants to, to watch. And everybody is so uniquely different. I think when you're comfortable in that spot and that skin and you surround yourself with that team and, you know, you do see a change in, in the films. Yeah. Um, and so that's interesting to think about, you know, yeah, you, you change out the editor and then what do you, what have you gained? What have you lost? You know, and, and what do you yeah. need to fix? And so. I mean, there was a difference in after the film, after she passed and his films to the like Django um, wasn't the strongest. And mm -hmm. you could tell because he was with a studio, I think it was Sony. Um, but it was different editor that wasn't able, I don't think, to rein it in. And there's this, you know, the scene where he plays himself as the Australian guy. Mm -hmm. It's pretty not the best. Mm -hmm. um, and she would have reined him in from that. And, you know, she, in, in interviews, um, I, read, I read every single interview he's done up until about maybe 2000. Um, and all for my research. And his editor would, you know, really be strong with him. And like, no, 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 she would like really rein him in and he'd listen eventually. But... Mm. I think you need to know him in a different way to do that as an editor than working at maybe at Sony, maybe. Mm. Maybe it's different. But she was like, you tell the things she would say, like, no, no, no. And she'd rein it in here, rein it in there. And she'd be like, no, can not doing that? You know, and then she'd say, you know how to manage him? Mm. If you're scared of him, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's those feedback circles, you know, I yeah. think that's so important. I think uh, one of the things in, in Cinema Story, we found that, you know, we work with all these freelancers as well, right? We have staffers and, and a big circle of freelancers. And one of the things that they value the most is, Whoa, like Joey reviewed my my filming and like my white balance, my you yeah. know, framing, all of these things, and I'm getting notes. And they're sometimes painful, right? And Joey does a good job of, you know, sugarcoating and you know, and, and layering it. I'm getting lazier and lazier at <laughs> the sugarcoating. <laughs> and uh, but it's good, but you, you know, that you need to hear the truth and you need to hear that that, you know, iron sharp sharpens iron. You gotta kind of massage the artist in and help form and so maybe that was what was going on with tarantino when you see that difference yeah. but we definitely see it even on a lower level scale you know within yeah. our own company and to be honest you know when i used to still shoot i would begrudgingly you know show so i used to review all of joey's stuff he you know I, I found him uh early on in his career and you know had some time to mentor him and then he's surpassed i don't film anymore and he's you know i don't i don't know where the record button is and he wrote the manual on the red camera you know and so that's <laughs> the and so then when if i shoot something i'm like all right take a look you know give me some notes you know it's painful yeah but i want it still because it is that is that growth and then I'm just going to give you some flowers here, too, because I think <laughs> being a film festival consultant is something that's very needed, right? It's a feed. It's a very unique yeah. feedback yeah. that, like, I'm over here asking all these questions. I'm, I'm, I'm already, you know, well, what's the length? What's all this stuff? And having that feedback, that, that's good to hear those things. But actually watching or reading one of our scripts, you get that painful, you know, feedback that you yeah. actually truly need to grow. Um, yeah, and well, it's so, about growth. That's yeah. what festivals are there for. Mm. Um, you know, and it's, it, right, it's a very specific niche. Mm. Um, it's very different. And, like, festival programmers watch films differently to um, a sales agent. They'll be looking at how they can sell it and distribution company. Mm. And, you know, PR marketing is very different if it's going to be a commercial PR release or it's going to be a festival film. It's really different. And, you know, we're very specific. So people ask, can you help sell the film and PR? So, well, we can give you connections people that do that because it's a separate niche a separate job in a very specific field this is very you know focused upon very one one aspect mm. um people see it come together when they bring on those different people to then form a whole you know so mm. people that, that go into that mm. uh, a lot of different moving parts you could say oh yeah i love it <laughs> layers and layers layers well i gotta ask you tell me a little bit about born to do it yes what it is <laughs> why you wrote it why it's important and who it's for so Born to Do It, I wrote during the pandemic. 
So obviously my schedule changed a lot when the pandemic happened. In fact, I almost got stuck in LA because <laughs> uh, it was the whole borders were closing mm. and then Trump said, oh no, the UK is fine. It's going to be open. They went, actually no, I changed my mind. I'm going to close them. And we had to like get the last flight out before everything went downhill. And when I got back, within like a week of getting back, obviously my schedule was not traveling all the time. It was, you know, lockdown. And then I wrote um, for a magazine, like a depth interview about my journey from academia to the film industry and then running my own business. And she said, have you ever thought about writing your own book? You know, this is a good interview, but like really developing on those points you pick out mm. and pick up. And I said, no, I haven't. But maybe I could look in that now with you because I've got maybe some time to do it. And then I wanted to tell my story about how I like found my sole purpose in terms of what I should be doing, my why, in a different way to what I expected, and then how to set up your first business, uh, bringing in spiritual techniques and business practices that are standard. And uh, it worked quite well because I kind of wrote itself the book um, quite mm. quickly. And then we had the editor come in and change it, and that was really good. And How was it getting feedback on yeah. what you wrote? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, the tables yeah. have turned. Oh, the tables have turned. <laughs> he has this like dreading at one point. And then she said, well, although it's not my, you know, I wouldn't read this by choice, she said. I quite like enjoyed parts of it and it actually just needed to be tightened up and not repeated. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to do yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay. But I mean, with the notes, they were pretty much just tweaking things here and there. It was mm -hmm. anything like a rewrite. Um, but it because I knew when I, before I wrote it, I was like, it wrote itself so it felt like it was flowing and it wasn't like too much of the same thing. Mm. Every chapter was organized in terms of, you know, bringing in vision boards and bringing in like um, KPIs, the things you need and then in the right structure and bringing on my own personal experiences. And I bring that into the book and that helps people relate and then, you know, have their own kind of journey. Um, so I wasn't intending to write a book during the pandemic, but I did. And it got some really good press. Uh, it was in Forbes. It's now available to buy in Walmart. <laughs> So I have wow. made it. Wow. And apparently Walmart yes. and I are going to develop, d d um, deliver stuff via drones. Thought maybe my book will be in there. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Oh, that's amazing. Born to do it by drone. Look at this. I was just Love like, it. wow. Like, the publisher told me after a while, she said, oh, we're now in Walmart. I was like, when was this? She went, oh, the, like the first week of Jan this year. And I was like, oh, great. Let's go. So, yeah, let's go. Um, so it has like a nice little life. Mm. Um, and people tend to buy it who just need it helps filmmakers to just get more clarity on like what they're doing with their careers and if it is for them how to pursue it further and also to bring in the right techniques you know to ease stress and anxiety and to like you know form a good production company mm. so it does work with all kind of all kinds of industries not not just film or not just you know not just any kind of business sector but anything really so it goes really well so yeah I'm really proud of it when I wrote it I was really happy with it and then I was going to do a book tour but then obviously the pandemic was still going and then I moved and then I didn't get time Mm. So just like a, like a little virtual thing at one point, and then it just has its own life. And Walmart, yeah, <laughs> <Amazon. it's, laughs> yeah. So you can get it at Walmart. Yeah. you might be able to. So Joey, watch. You know, you might have a drone flying over your house. Yes. You might be dropping a book off. Might not be my drone. Either. And you're in the backyard. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we got we got three questions we like to ask each guest before we get them out of here. I want to ask though, make sure I pay my respects to the book because I know it's a it's a massive undertaking to write a book. Yeah. Is there anything else? that you would like to share about the book before we get into our final three questions? Um, I would say um, if you get if you take away anything from it, the key thing to remember is to never give up. Mm. Never give up on your dreams is the key thing that my business coach always taught me. And when the going got tough, when I was moving from Wales to, to, the U, to London and then obviously doing bigger leaps, People weren't always convinced it would work, and I kind of knew it would, but I didn't want any negativity. So I thought, no, I'm not going to give up. If I give up, then I'm not going to go. I'm not going to know what's going to happen. So I'm going to keep on going and just mm. keep moving forward. So it feels right to keep doing it. Love mm. that. If you give up, they were right, and yeah, and you failed, and because yeah. you didn't, here you are. We love that. Exactly. Well, our final three questions: If you could go back in time in your career and change one thing, what's something that you would do differently? Um, I would have from the get go when I first started up my company, when I had my logo and website, I wished I would have hired a business coach mm. to talk me through managing the business and putting the infrastructure in place. I learned on the job and ad hoc and all over the place. It wasn't the most, you know, um, say, you know, seamless and very linear, but a business coach came in later than what it should in my, in my, in my stage. In the beginning it would have been different. So anybody going to start a business up, 
hire a really good business coach, talk you through what to do and how to set up your funnels and systems in place because you will you will love them forever by doing that. Mm. Love that. Solid advice. So good. What is one piece of advice? The question is normally that you can give to filmmakers trying to grow in their craft or their business. But what is one piece of advice that you can give to filmmakers trying to get their film, trying to make their film successful in the film festival circuit? Okay. The first thing is to get objective feedback Mm. and ask the question, have I got a film that festivals will want? And if so, what kinds of festivals? And ask for the feedback to be honest and helpful and constructive. That's the key thing. It really is the key thing. Um, if you don't know what you've made, you won't know where to place it. You won't know where to get the exposure and success. So good. Mm. So, so good. Another mic drop moment I right know. there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so apart from Quentin Tarantino, who is one filmmaker that has inspired you or your work? Um, I really like um, the work of Sofia Coppola. I think she's very interesting and how she made the Virgin Suicides was so dreamy mm. and the cinematography, the, the music, everything about it. And I like her when she's interviewed. She's very inspiring, as is Catherine Bigelow. So those two, I'm like, they're interesting. So Tarantino's obviously number one, but I was like strong female directors. And mm. she's definitely, those two are definitely up there. I love it. I love getting a new answer to that question. Yeah. Uh, Because I don't think anyone else has said those answers on the show. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in the studio today. I always love when our guests are live and in person (laughs) and not virtual. So thank you for joining us in the incredible country of Dallas, Texas. (laughs) And uh, excited to to really dive into your book more and to follow you and honestly probably utilize your services for our films and festivals to come. And so just thank you for what you're doing and being a resource to filmmakers to be successful and to see other people win. We love to hear that. Thank you. It's been great. I've had so much fun. For people that want to get connected with you or potentially get objective feedback on their films so that it can succeed in the film festival circuit, what's the best place for them to get in touch with you? Um, my website is a good start, which is the filmfestivaldoctor.com. That explains more about me, how we can help you. as a blog on there, a little e-shop with some free ebooks you can get you started to see mm. if you want to venture in that world. Um, and it also has some press that I've achieved for the uh, for my brand and interviews with me. And uh, also Instagram. Best one is at Rebecca Film Doctor. And if you slide into my DMs, I'll respond. I love it. <laughs> Just slide into those DMs. That's awesome. And for you that are listening on the audio version of this podcast, we will include the links in the description on both YouTube and the wherever you get your podcast. Yep. Rebecca, thanks again for joining us today thank on the you. Rough Cut Club. For those of you tuning in, thank you for joining us on this entire episode and for us uh, kicking off season two. We're deep in the heart of it now and excited that you guys are still here and still rocking with us. So join us for the next episode. We'll see you next time on the Rough Cut Club. Thank you.